0: you <laughs> Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, January 13th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Bill Bank Green. Bank, Kerry Combs, um, and those pesky Tennessee Titans, they keep beating the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots. Now they're beating the number one seed Baltimore Ravens and not really making it close. So that means Ohio State will have to wait at least another week for Kerry Combs. My question for you, sir, what impact, if any, is this having on recruiting either with guys like Cam Martinez or, you know, guys for the twenty twenty one class, is there any impact this is having on recruiting?
1: No, not at all. Um there's really not much going on right now. Um Cam Martinez, that's that's gotta be Ryan Day, has gotta convince him that there's a you know, a definite path for him at Ohio State. Cam's guy was Jeff Halfley. Um, you know, looking at it objectively, um I, I don't I don't really know in in a year where their numbers are tough right now. They're over, and there's guys got to be walking out the door. I don't know if Cam Martinez is is all that needed. You know, I don't see a 5'9 guy playing safety at Ohio State. I don't know that it has the hips to play corner. He's not going to play running back at Ohio State. He best fits as a wide receiver. But they've already got four in this class. They're probably going to take four in the next class. All you're doing at that point, you're just setting up your portal you know, which two of those guys are going to leave eventually? You can't satisfy eight. Cam would make nine. I mean, to me, he's almost a luxury in this class that I, I don't know that they really need. Um, they do like him as a player, and I get why they like him as a player, but, you know, 85 is 85. You can't have 95. So, you know, I, I don't know if Cam might end up being a casualty. And, and I'm not sure Combs makes a difference for him anyway. And, you know, long term, You know, that's what Ohio State's looking at right now. There's really nothing going on right now in terms of DB recruiting for 2020. And then 2021 will work itself out. And, you know, I think Combs is the guy. Um, And I think, you know, they'll have him next week at this time. I think uh, they'll be putting pen to paper because Tennessee has not beaten Kansas City. So I I think it'll, it'll all be clear next week. And I think he's well worth the wait. He's their guy. So if he's your guy, then an extra week or so is not going to matter in terms of recruiting. I was saying they're not going to beat Baltimore.
0: They go in there and they just stomp Baltimore. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I I mean, I keep thinking, okay, this is it for the the Cinderella story of the Tennessee Titans. But uh, good to know it's not impacting Ohio State uh, recruiting. Um, Speaking of Ohio State recruiting, this is a hot topic in Buckeye Nation, as you know, Bank. Zach Evans, five-star running back Zach Evans, can you just take the listener through most listeners probably know like what's going on here, chapter and verse. I'm sure there's some that really don't even haven't even been following much of you know what's going on with Zach Evans lately with, you know, everything with the cell phone and the altercation with the coach and everything and decommitting and everything that's going on. So you kinda of take the listener through the Zach Evans situation and where things stand right now and where Ohio State might be with him.
1: Yeah, well he's had a lot of issues in the past year, year and a half. He's an unbelievable player, I will say that. Um, the the thing I look at in issues, Dave, is is there's a line there between being a bad kid and being an immature kid. And to me, the line kind of gets drawn with, you know, uh, violence toward women, um, guns, drugs. That, to me, is a line that, you know, I, I would not be willing to give a second chance there. I, I just don't think Ohio State needs that. I don't think Alabama needs that. Georgia doesn't need that. LSU doesn't, you know, the big time programs, they can go get a great player. Who's a great kid. Now, if it's immaturity, he's in a meeting and he's playing on his cell phone, doesn't want to give the cell phone back to a coach. I could probably live with that, you know? So I think Ohio state is definitely kicking the tires. It's not been a good year for running back recruiting at all. So this kid's so talented. You have to look at it. And I think what, Ohio State's going to do, I think what A&M's going to do, what LSU is going to do, they are going to sit the kid down and just tell him, these are our rules, this is the way we run our program, if you can conform to that, we'd love to have you, but you're going to be on a zero tolerance or a one tolerance, whatever. You know, you you set parameters for the kid and you let him know that you have no problem getting rid of him if he doesn't toe the line. So, I think Ohio State is definitely going to kick the tires on Zach Evans. When you look at a class with only Mayan Williams committed, they're trying to get Jameer Gibbs, you know, you have to take a look at Zach Evans. I mean, you know, you win with great players, okay? The, the culture and the brotherhood and the, all that stuff is fine. But, you know, the guy's been winning championships lately or Alabama and Clemson, and they're doing it with talent. So, like I say, I, I would look at him. One kid cannot ruin a program especially when you can get rid of him in five minutes anyway if he messes up. So I think they have to look at him. I have no idea if he'd be interested in Ohio State. This kid's been all over the board, you know, even after he signs his letter. He's still all over the board now. So I don't don't know, you know, his thoughts toward Ohio State. But if I could get Zach Evans, I would take Zach Evans. And if I need to get rid of Zach Evans, I would get rid of Zach Evans.
0: Yeah, it could be like you come in with two strikes you, you and tell him that, obviously. You'd be up for it with him. And if he you know, gets out of line at all, he's out. Um, right. I would definitely sign up for right. that. What do, you, what do you make of uh, Brian Hartline following Zach Evans on Twitter? Some people make fun of that. Oh, I think there's somebody on the board saying, yeah, a grown man following a 17-year-old on Twitter. That's really breaking news. Yeah, it kind of is. You know, our salute's on Bucknut's uncovered this that brian Hartline is following zach evans on twitter now yeah when an ohio state assistant coach suddenly follows a recruit like that especially with heartline you know a lot of times you know a lot of our readers of joke bank and listeners of jokes can we ha- can we have heartline take over running back recruiting well now it sounds like Hartline might be a little bit in on this uh zach evans situation what do you make of Hartline following zach evans on uh, twitter well, he's not
1: following him because he's interested in the kid's career. That's for sure. Um, he's interested really? in the kid. He's following the kid as a potential recruit for Ohio State. And that's the only way you can look at this. Now, the contact previously was with Alford, and it it didn't go real well. Zach Evans was, you know, he told Ohio State he was coming on a visit. He never showed up. And that's not usually exclusive to Ohio State either, believe me. This – this stuff has gone on from day one with this kid and it's continuing today, you know, so, um, I I don't know what to make of Heartline following him. I would expect, you know, that with a lot of these recruits, you'll see multiple coaches from staffs, you know, following them. So, um, again, I I think it's a sign that Ohio state is kicking the tires.
0: You mentioned Jameer Gibbs. He's going to take his official to Ohio state this weekend. Um, I mean, just from everything I've been reading outside looking at, it seems like a long shot, but Ohio State is getting him on campus. Just, you know, what do you make of the Jameer Gibbs recruitment and where do you think Ohio State stands?
1: Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't really call it a long shot per se. I mean, I don't think Ohio State is the favorite, but they could be the favorite after this visit. Ohio State has had an amazing success rate of just getting these types of kids, just getting them on campus and late in the game. And their success rate has been phenomenal. And I know people always worry about, like, weather, and that's so foolish. Um, like, they want to have a 70-degree day this weekend when the kid comes. Like, the kid's got the, you know, the weather app on his phone. He's got the weather channel at home. He knows it's not 75 in Ohio throughout the winter. So if it's zero if it's 75, that's not going to matter. I mean, what matters is the comfort and the relationships that you form, how comfortable he is, that you can be the one to have him realize his dreams. Um, If Urban Meyer was still a head coach, I would probably call Jameer Gibbs to Ohio State right now because Urban always hit these things. So we'll see. I mean, I have a lot of faith in Ryan Day. Um, I still believe in Tony Alford as a recruiter. I think the key here is will Gibbs actually leave Georgia Tech? Because I'm hearing that, there might be a really good chance he just sticks with them. He's a homebody, and he may want to just stay there. So, like I say, the official visit is going to tell the tale uh, of whether Ohio State is in this game or not. And their official visit weekends, they've been amazing for the past five or six years with Urban. So we got to see, has Ryan Day, has he learned that magic? Has he Does he have the touch? And if he does, then Ohio State's in a good position to land this kid.
0: What do you make of – the date of the early signing period, like, you know, in basketball, I always thought for years if they were going to do a early signing period in football, it would be like it is in college basketball where you do it like, you know, after practice has started, but right before the season starts. Or in football, I thought maybe you do it right before camp started. So it would be like in late July, I thought it might be a good time to do an early signing period. Instead, as we all know, the enacted one six weeks before the traditional signing day in late December, um, you know, if you were the king of college football bank, would you keep it that way, the way we have it right now? Or how, how would you do the early signing period?
1: No, it's foolish the way they do it right now. This was a compromised date. Um, anybody with a brain knows that if you're going to have an early signing period, you would do it just like you said, late July, early August. Let these kids sign before they play a down of football, before they go through their two-a-days. Let them get their recruiting out of the way. That makes all the sense in the world. But it doesn't make sense to Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia and LSU in Florida and no those schools, because they want to be able to cover up their mistakes late in the game. If mine Williams had signed with Iowa state, Iowa state would not be in a position to get him when they get beat on all these other guys. And so the, the powers that be said, there's no way, no way we're going to have a late summer signing period. And then we won't have a crack at these kids that develop late or when we screw up, we're not going to have a chance to fix our mistakes. So, having a signing period in mid-December and then doing it again in early February is foolish. It makes no sense. And you can see we've had two years of it now and, you know, 75% of the kids are signing in the first period, which that is the actual signing day now. So, you know, they're, the date they came up with in December was a compromise choice. They wanted to give the, the smaller schools their own bone that, yes, we're going to have an early signing period, but yet you couldn't tick off the big powers because they were not going to let you have that signing period be in August. So it was a compromised date. It was foolish and it makes no sense and it served no purpose, but, you know, it's here. All right, last thing. I know a lot of
0: Buckeye fans are just, you know, boycotting tonight's game. I think most people probably will tune in, even the people that are saying that. But let's talk about tonight's national championship game a little bit. LSU favored by five and a half over Clemson. Uh, at last glance, maybe the line's moved this morning. I haven't looked at it since last night. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to watch. I'm, I'm going to be an LSU fan tonight, Bank. Just your thoughts on this game tonight. Who do you think's going to win?
1: Well, you know, I, um, I think LSU is going to win. And uh, I think that's kind of like, I don't know, I, I might have been blown away by the Oklahoma game. And I shouldn't have been because I know better. And I know not to go by what you just recently saw with these teams. That's usually not the way to – like, if you're going to bet the game, the recency thing usually doesn't work. And and I know that, but, man, I was just – I mean, LSU to me looks like a team that I don't care who your defense is, they're going to get their 35 or 40. So I feel LSU tonight has 35 to 40 points on the board right now. And then Clemson's got to find a way – to either limit them under 30, which I think is going to be really hard to do, or they got to find a way to get 40 themselves. And I think that's going to be hard to do. So if LSU doesn't help them by turning the ball over, by kicking field goals in the red zone instead of scoring touchdowns, you know, I mean, I, I don't see how Clemson beats this team. I mean, I, I think LSU, I think their defense has gotten a lot better not so much because of the Oklahoma game, but because of what I saw in, against Georgia, what we saw down the stretch, I think LSU's got enough defense, you know, to, to limit Clemson around 30 or so, but I think LSU's going to get 40. And I just think LSU is going to win it all. And I think Joe Burrow is going to, you know, be the toast of college football. And I'm happy for him. He's a great kid. Um, I actually know his dad better than I know Joe. And his dad's just a wonderful guy. And, you know, I think it's a good Cinderella story. But I will say, you know, Clemson's not going to go easy into the night. Those guys have a championship pedigree, and they don't lose, and they know how to win these games. LSU's never been here before on this type of stage, and LSU got no preparation in the semifinal game for what the pressure's going to be like in a game like this. That was a scrimmage for them. So I think – like, I'm discounting Dabo, and I think that's a mistake on my part. You know, I'm arguing with myself here. If they can keep it close, if Clemson can hang tight, and we kind of saw them do this a couple of weeks ago, just hang in there and not avoid the early onslaught from Burrow and LSU. Make it a close game into the fourth quarter, and then that's Clemson's strength. They win those kind of games, okay? Anything that's tight going to the end, they are not going to make mistakes and beat themselves where the other team, you know, can make mistakes and beat themselves. So I think LSU needs to take control early, um, run them out early if they can, get a nice lead. But if it's close in the fourth quarter, within a touchdown, then I think, you know, Clemson is, is dangerous in that spot.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Very well said. Great insights, as always, from Bill Bank Green. Really appreciate it, Bank, and appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag. Bustin' band in the land.